We're continuing this series on the armor of God this morning. And this morning, I am going to speak to you guys um, from Ephesians chapter 6 again, but this time about the helmet of salvation. I'm going to read it to you guys again. I know it's like the 32nd time you've heard it. You should have it memorized by now, uh, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This morning, excuse me, the helmet of salvation. We're going to talk about what the helmet is, what it means, what it protects, but most importantly, we're going to talk about how to play offense with your thoughts, how to play defense with your thoughts, and how to stand firm in your thoughts. That's offense, defense, and standing firm. And I'm going to share with you guys in just a moment why this is our thoughts. But you can probably draw a parallel because the helmet's on your head, thoughts come from your head, but we're going to talk about it. So what, first of all, would have been the Roman helmet? Let's talk about that first. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, right? He was in Roman prison, and he would have seen a guard outside of his cell. Looking at these guards, he saw the guard clad in a variety of different pieces of armor. He goes through all of them, drawing spiritual parallels between each piece of armor to our life in Christ, in the Spirit, right? So he talks about all of them, and now he gets to the helmet, and he equates this helmet to salvation, so if he's talking about our salvation being a helmet for our heads, what, what, first of all, would this helmet have been? Well, the Roman helmet would have been made of iron, steel, or bronze. It would have been a full covering of the head. This word helmet in the Greek, it literally means encircling. Okay, so it would have fully encircled the head. The only exception would have been the eyes, the nose, and the mouth. All the way down the ear and all the way through the jaw would have been covered by this bronze, iron, or steel helmet. So it's covering, it's fully encircling the head. So in the physical, it's covering our brain, right? First and foremost, it's covering our brain. Our brain is where pretty much all of the systems of the body receive their instruction. That's our, our vital functions. That's our personality. That's our memory. That's our speech. That's bodily movement. But that's also, most importantly, where thought comes from. It's this weird thing. Thoughts originate here. This little three-pound object in our head. Some of y'all with big heads, it's a little more. Three-pound plus object in our head. It controls everything else. Isn't that weird? This little thing controls the rest of the body. I weigh 180 pounds, but the, the other 177 is being controlled by the three. It's a little odd. But Paul says that we should be covering this part of our body with this full encircling that is the helmet. Right? So on a spiritual sense, what he's saying is that salvation should cover the one thing that determines everything else that happens in our life. Cover your head with salvation. So what is salvation, though? Let's talk really quick about that. For those of y'all who are in Christ, you should know this. If you don't, we're going to refresh. If you're new, we're going to tell you guys for the first time. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, I'm not going to read it this time, but I'm going to summarize it for you guys. According to the Bible... We have all fallen short of the glory that God is, that he demands of our life. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God, being rich in his mercy, gave his son for us while we were still sinners. It's by his grace. Now that grace is not something that we can prove besides the Bible. We can't prove it. We can show fruit of it in our lives, but we can't prove it. So we have to accept this grace by faith. 
Faith is the substance of things not seen. We have to, we have to uh, secure this by our faith. So it's by grace through faith. And we've been saved by grace through faith for a life of good works. Not by a life of good works, but for it. So Jesus gave himself for us by his grace. We accept that grace in faith. And once we've been saved, salvation, we live this life of good works for him that the Bible says that he predestined for us. He gave us good things to do. He doesn't save us to put us on a shelf. He saves us for good things here in this life. He actually said that he came to give us abundant life here today and eternal life one day. So that's what salvation is. This Greek word used in the New Testament by Paul is soteros. Soteros. You guys can correct me in the comments if that's mispronunciation. Soteros. It's an adjective, right? So it means saving or it means the hope of saving. So what Paul is saying is that we should fully encircle our head with the hope of being saved, the helmet of the hope of being saved, or the helmet of saving. So based on the summary I just said, we encircle our heads with the fact that we are saved by grace, through faith, for good works. I hope that makes sense. So that's what the helmet of salvation is. So practically though, what does it look like to put this helmet on? Because if, God, if God's laid out this armor for us, like it says in the message, God laid out the armor for us, the best pieces for this fight that's going on. How foolish would it be for God to drop us in a fight but not, as a, not equip us for that fight? He's equipped us for the fight. He lays out the pieces for us, including this helmet. But it says in Scripture we have to put it on. I want to give you guys an example of what it looks like to not have it on. I'm sure some of you guys can even think across your morning this morning for times that you have not had it on. On the way here, I spilled coffee on myself. Praise God, my helmet was on. It blocked the words that were trying to come out of my mouth. You got to have your helmet on. Three weeks ago, I preached on the breastplate of righteousness. It was an honor and a privilege to do so. I was feeling good. It was a good morning. I went out surfing afterward. Uh, for those of you guys who, who surf, you guys might know this term, to snake someone. Some of you guys who don't surf, you don't know, think about a line all the way out Costco. You come up with your cart all the way around the 150 people, not wearing masks, and then you pull right in front. <laughs> you pull right in front of the first person. You just snaked the, the other 149, right? That makes sense? So you snaked everybody. And surfing, snaking means taking a wave that somebody else is already on. It's not something you want to do. It's not looked, looked well upon in surfing. So, but I accidentally did it three weeks ago after preaching this message. Good day, sunny, no wind. It's beautiful out. Water's warm. I go surfing. There's this guy in the water. We're kind of trading waves back and forth. It's fun. I take a wave, not seeing he's on it. He's on it though. So I effectively snake him. He yells at me. I think he cusses at me. I'm not sure, but I kick out and I wait for him. Not to fight him. I wait for him to apologize. I wait for him. He paddles back out. And I'm like, hey, man, super sorry. Didn't see you on the wave. He then comes at me with a full-on 10 out of 10 verbal onslaught against me, my family, and my character and personality as a whole. And me in that moment, even after just standing up here and preaching three messages to you guys without my helmet on, I returned word for word every curse that he gave plus some. I didn't have my helmet on. See, when we have our helmets on and we understand salvation, we understand the grace that's been given us, even those who curse us, we can administer that grace to them. But if you don't have your helmet on, if you're not constantly reminding yourself of the grace that you've been given, you ain't gonna give grace to anybody. 
much less will set you off. Guys, I was surfing. How trivial. How trivial. It wasn't like it was a, a massive day where there, it was dangerous and like our lives were at stake. It was a small day, nothing going on. And I cursed this dude out, guys. I'm confessing to you. I cursed this guy out. I didn't have my helmet on. I didn't give the grace that's been given to me. The Bible says when we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we pray. That's what it looks like to have the helmet on. But that's an example of not having the helmet on. I'm gonna give you guys five seconds right now. Inventory your morning. Have you had your helmet on or not? If not, I'm gonna give you guys some practical ways to put it on. Five seconds, ready to go. Okay, time's up. If you haven't had your helmet on, self-identify in the comments. If you have, God bless you. So how do we put our helmets on? Number one, we have to play offense with our thoughts. We have to play offense with our thoughts. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is in the process of becoming. As a man thinks, so he is becoming. We have to play offense with what we're thinking about if we want to be offensive about what we're becoming. As a man thinks, so he is in the process of becoming. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think on such things. Now, if we combine these scriptures together, whatever we're thinking about, we're becoming. If Paul's telling us whatever is true, noble, right, pure, admirable, praiseworthy, lovely, excellent, if we're thinking on these things, then we are becoming more of those things. Isn't that what the logic would follow? Jesus is saying that if we think like he thinks, we become more like him. If we think in terms of the grace that's been given us, which is lovely, pure, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, then we are going to become more and more of those things every single day. But it only happens if you have your helmet on. It only happens if you're playing offense with your thoughts. And if you're not, there's going to be an issue. Because from these thoughts come a slew of things. Guys, we don't wake up. You don't wake up with a pornography addiction. You don't wake up in an affair. You don't wake up as a thief. There, are a long, there is a long process of steps that lead you to a place like that. See, our thoughts become our words. Our words become our actions. Our actions are habits, and our habits become our character. Write that down if you're a note taker. If you're not, become a note taker and write it down. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions, your actions, your habits, your habits, your character. So all of that proceeds from your thoughts. And so we have to be offensive about this root cause. We have to be offensive about what we're allowing ourselves to think on. If we're thinking on things that are noble, right, pure, excellent, praiseworthy, admirable, then our words, our habits, our actions, our character are going to be those things as well. Your character is going to be noble, your character is going to be praiseworthy. Your character, excellent. Your character, lovely. More and more like Jesus every day. We've got to play offense with our thoughts. Ask yourself this morning. Here's a, a diagnostic tool. Ask yourself, do my thoughts work for me or against me? If they work for you, you're playing offense. If they work against you, you're on your heels. And it's an issue. Do your, walk, do your thoughts work for you 
or against you. Number two, play defense with your thoughts. Now is not the time to lose your head. The new world order, COVID, new life, whatever you want to call it, now is not the time to lose your head. We have to play defense with our thoughts. If our thoughts create our words and our words, our actions and our actions, our habits and our habits, our character, then guess what? The enemy doesn't want you to have good actions, good habits, good character, does he? He's coming for the root, which is the thought. He's coming for it. John 10.10 says that he came to kill, steal, and destroy. If you're having lovely, pure, praiseworthy, admirable thoughts, he's coming at you to kill, steal, and destroy them. He wants it to be the opposite so that your character, your words, your habits, and your actions are also not praiseworthy, not lovely, not admirable. He doesn't want you to be like Jesus. He's coming at you. We got to play defense. We have to play defense with our thoughts. The picture I get in my head is, is the Garden of Eden. We were in the garden, y'all. We were born in the garden. That's what, we were, that's what we're designed from. Perfect community with one another, with our spouse. We're naked and unafraid. We ain't like the Discovery Channel, naked and afraid. We're naked and unafraid. We're cruising with God in the cool of the day. Walking with him, perfect community with God. There's fruit on all the trees. Everybody's raw vegan. It's awesome. We're all in shape. It's cool. You're probably tan everywhere. You're naked, right? Come on. So it's awesome. The garden was amazing. That's where we come from. And guys, that's what we're destined for. Perfection with Christ. That's what we're destined for. We come from it and we're destined for it, but we find ourselves in the in-between, don't we? The enemy is coming to kill, steal, and destroy the middle. He knows where you came from. He knows where you're going. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy the middle. The middle ground, it's time to play defense. We have to play defense with our thoughts. Put your helmet on. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, take captive every thought. How many thoughts? All of them. That doesn't mean Monday through Friday and then when your spouse is out of town on on a Friday night, you get to let those thoughts go. No, it means every thought. Take captive every single thought. And what? Make it subject to Christ. You have your your little thought bubble, right? Here it is. You see it? It's floating above me. It's a cloud. It's white, black outline. There's nothing in it. These thoughts come floating across. If that thought, as we test it against Scripture, is from Christ... Take it, baby. Take that thing. It's for you. But if it's not, you got to kick that thing out quick. We got to play defense with our thoughts. Take every thought captive and make it subject to Christ. Here's a good question. Do do my thoughts take me closer to the garden or further away from it? You're You're from the garden. You're destined for it. Does my thought life take me closer to the garden, which is my destination, or further away from it? If it's further away, you're being killed, stealed from, and destroyed. But if you're not, then you're getting closer to the garden. Do your thoughts take you closer or further away from the garden? You have to ask yourself that. Last one. Hold on to hope. We mentioned that this word salvation, sotereos, It means saving, but it also means the hope of saving, the hope of being saved. I think there's a lot of us out there, and I'll I'll self-identify. There have been times recently where I've felt hopeless. It's like, what is this life? What are we doing? 
feels like we're going in circles. There are times where this world can feel really, really bleak. Like Haley talked about, there are people who struggle with food insecurity. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. Like, why? Why is that a thing? This life is hard, man. This life is hard. But we have to hold on to the hope that is Jesus. Here's a word for you guys. If you are hoping in anything other than Christ today, you are hoping in a false savior and it will fail you. If you're hoping in anything other than Christ today, that is a false savior and it will fail you. But we are designed to hope in the, the hope of salvation, the hope that God gave himself for us in Jesus and that by his grace, through our faith, for good works, we get to receive that gift of salvation. We can't earn it. It's a gift. He doesn't take credit. He doesn't take debit or Venmo or cash. It's a gift. We have to receive that gift. We have to receive it. He wants to give us this gift of salvation. And when we've received it, there is so much hope in that. Come what may, it doesn't matter. Our hope rests secured. It says in Hebrews, our hope rests in the anchor and that anchor is within the veil. That anchor is with God. That anchor is Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of God and he is our hope. If your hope is in anything other than Christ, you're hoping in a false savior and that false savior will fail you. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on the grace that will be revealed when Jesus comes back. When the garden is our destination, when we finally arrive, set your hope on that. But what does it say in the meantime? It says, be alert and fully sober. Guys, if you are being passive in this life, you ain't alert. You're not fully sober. And if you're not alert and you're not fully so sober, you are vulnerable. If you're not alert and you're not fully sober, you're vulnerable. If you're not taking captive every thought, every thought is taking captive of you. Write that down. If you're not taking captive every thought, every thought is taking captive you. We have to be alert and fully sober. And if you're not, you're going to be a victim. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed in his coming. Let the hope of salvation be your new identity. Hope in Jesus alone because any other savior will fail you. We've talked about playing offense. We've talked about playing defense. We've talked about standing firm. How now do we apply these things in our lives? Like I said, we're, we're from the garden and we're destined for the garden, but yet we find ourselves in the in-between. How now do we, do we reconcile that? How do we play offense, defense, and stand firm? Our lovely Angela has made us a little graphic for you guys, and we're going to show it on the screen right now. It's going to be dropped into the comments as well. Click the link or check out on the screen. These are some practical take-home tips for you guys. These are listed scriptures to help you know what your new identity in Christ is. 
We have to rehearse these to ourselves every single day. And what I would encourage, I would encourage you to look at all three of those categories. I'm accepted in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. I'm significant in Christ. If you read those aloud and one of those sets off like a check in your spirit, like, whoa, I don't know if that's true, you need to spend time with that. You need to spend time with that. I think that last one, I'm significant in Christ, is one of those that a few of you guys are like, man, that is, that's hard. I don't feel significant in Christ. I don't feel like I have significance to Jesus. Guys, you do. You have significance. It says right here, you're salt and light of the earth. You bring flavor to the earth. You bring God's richness and his character to the earth in Christ. You're a branch of the true vine. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Chosen and appointed. You're not an accident. And God wants to do good things through you. He's chosen you to further his kingdom and to do good things. You're God's temple. You're a minister of reconciliation. Your life should be on mission this morning. You're a minister of that reconciliation. You're God's coworker. You're God's workmanship. You can approach God with freedom and confidence because you're significant in him. It says we get to approach the throne boldly because of what Jesus did for us. There's boldness in approaching God because of what Jesus has done for us. And you can do all things. How many things? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are accepted, you are secure, and you are significant in Christ. To those of you who are believers and you are activated believers and you have your helmet on right now, you are fully encircled by the hope of the gospel, the hope of salvation. God bless you guys. I just pray pray an extra anointing and a, a power and an equipping for everything God wants to do for you. You've been trusted with little. You've been faithful, and he's going to put you in charge of more. I thank God for that. For those of you who are in Christ, but you might not be walking with him daily, guys, my encouragement to you is put your helmet on. Play offense with your thoughts. Know that your thoughts produce your words, your words, your actions, your actions, your habit, your habit, your character. Know that the thought is the root. We have to play offense. You have to play defense, knowing that the root is under attack. The enemy is coming to kill, steal, and destroy that. We got to play defense. And you have to hold fast to the hope that is going to be revealed to you one day in Christ. Stay fully alert and sober. Believer, put your armor on. Put your helmet on. Play offense, play defense, and stand firm. And to the unbeliever watching, I'm so glad you're here. Brother or sister, I'm so glad you're here. Guys, I think, I think for you this morning, God wants you to know you're significant. You're significant. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, God gave himself for us. You're significant today. You don't have to get it all together to come before God. He's ready for you now. He's ready for you now. I'm reminded of this story of this woman caught in adultery in the Bible. It says she was caught in the act of adultery. Let your mind run with that one. (laughs) She was caught in the act of it. She was naked. The, The Pharisees come and throw her at the feet of Jesus, fully naked in the middle of the day, in front of the Savior of the world. They say, Jesus, she was caught in adultery. She's gotta be stoned. 
Jesus says, whoever of you is without sin, throw the first stone. Everybody leaves because no one's without sin. And Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. The order of Jesus's words are absolutely paramount. He says, I don't condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. He doesn't say go and sin no more and earn the fact that I'm not going to condemn you. He doesn't say go and clean yourself up and then you can come before me. He doesn't say go and fix these things and then you'll be worthy of my love. He says you're worthy of my love. Therefore, go and sin no more. This morning, you're significant. This morning, Jesus died for you. You matter today. He cares deeply about you today. You're here for an individual, specific, and unique purpose. I know that's for somebody this morning. I just want to pray it over us. Father God, we love you. Man, we're just grateful. We're grateful to be, to be chosen, Lord. We're grateful to be your sons and daughters too. To those who are in Christ this morning, we thank you. We thank you for them, God. Would you just preserve them? Would you equip them even more with this helmet of salvation? Fully encircle their mind. Bless their thoughts. Bless their words. Bless their actions, Father. Bless their habits and bless their character, Lord. Would they hold fast playing offense with their thoughts, Lord? Would they hold fast, Lord, playing defense with their thoughts, Lord? Would they hold fast to the hope that will be revealed to them? I thank you for them, God. Further equip them this morning with your armor, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are not in Christ this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for them while they were still sinners, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. While I was still a sinner, for everyone, while we were still sinners, Lord. The invitation of the Son is there. I just pray that brothers and sisters would receive that, God. I thank you for him. I just pray that you would reveal your grace to them this morning, Lord. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, if you guys... uh. If you guys prayed that and you're, you, are, you are not in Christ this morning and you want to come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you text Jesus 111 to 94090? I would usually ask you guys to come up and I'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you, but we can't right now. So text Jesus 111 to 94090. We have a team standing by who wants to pray with you, who wants to partner with you in your next steps in your walk with Jesus. Text that number. Do not exit the live stream without texting that number. I know there's one person out there who that's for. Do not exit the live stream. Text the number. I love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have an awesome week. God bless y'all.